Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Welcome back to the podcast. It is I, Grognard the Young, the Young Grognard, kicking you to you live with another episode of the Beckons of the Herald of Steel podcast or campaign. You know, I'll get it right sometimes, you know. Anyway, the adventure is the king's, and the quest is still Azkabellum. Uh, in the last episodes of the show, our party are looking to find the mystical, magical, wonderful Chazelle and hope to bring peace to the Avians of Azkabellum. Uh, she's gone. She's gone missing. Nobody can find her. So the hope is, is to go to Tarulo and other Avian settlements and hope to find her to make some sense of peace. But on the way, uh, not only do we run into bloodthirsty rabbits, we've also run into a strange legless thrycreen and a rock. And our party also ran into some internal conflict. We had a party split, two separate guides. So I guess at this point, with Klinka and Jarzak heading off with their nameless thrycreen friend flying into the desert, uh, or at least to the sands the prairie uh anton norhill and barai are heading north still towards tarulo in hopes that eventually we'll meet up again um but i guess we'll start off with uh Klika and jarzak as you guys fly for the rest of like the nine or so minutes and eventually the spell wears off and you guys are still on your way only to recognize that our friend, the Thrycreen, has absolutely no interest in making conversation and never even turns back until the point where we start, you know, actually having to walk. In which case, he kind of up-ups himself, looking for somebody to lean on to help him walk. Yep, I'll help him walk. All right, and so with that, you guys travel uh, pretty much without water, since the carriage at this point is now with um, Anton, Norhill, and Barai, the one with the mule and the water and the food and everything, and you guys are traveling off with the water skins in your bag, and traveling with a bug that doesn't seem to eat food as regularly as you guys do, doesn't seem to drink water as often as you guys do, and so... Yeah, we're just trudging after him in the hot sun in the uh, moistureless lands here. And after about an hour or so of walking, as the sun is starting to get to, you know, the descending point there where it's starting to set a little bit, he turns to you both and starts to click again. Uh, how often are you able to use the uh, bug speech, Jarzak? Put me on the spot. Let me check. Klika, how long does your spell work? One hour. Nice. 
I imagine the bug speech probably lasts for an hour too. I think or so. maybe it's at will. I thought it was an hour. We can say it's an hour for now. I don't imagine I'd give anything less than that. But it turns back to you guys and it says, your friends were afraid. Um, yeah. And, well, I think Klika, well, Klika thinks maybe, maybe they um, just weren't ready to trust you yet. And with that, you can see the little antennae on his head start to twitch and quiver a little bit. And then it starts to kind of look you up and down a little bit and kind of gets in close to your face. And the little antennae rub over your head. And in a voice that you hear inside of your head and not through the clicking and everything, you hear slight telepathic thoughts kind of intrude into your brain for a second. And you hear the sort of translation of the clicking and popping noises in your head. And it says, I sense familiarity in you. Um... Well, Klika is the child of destiny, so she gets that a lot. Klika did have a lot of um, Aspie buddies at one point. We had a big conga line. (laughs) I forgot about the Aspie's conga line. Very good. With that, it turns its head absolutely disregarding and not caring about anything you just said. It just turns to Jarzak and starts fondling him with the antennae as well, telepathically intruding into your mind for a second, pulling away quickly and putting the antennae back onto you. And it says, I sense fear in you as well. Darkness and fear. Are you hunted? Yeah, always. And with that, it continues to kind of fondle the antennae on you, telepathically speaking in your mind, and says, you will be safe among my pack, but I cannot promise you safety if you leave or disobey the commands. When it's speaking telepathically, is it to both or one? Just one. Anybody it's touching. Okay. And so with that, it turns. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. What was the lady's name that we're looking for? Giselle. Chazelle. If I say it one more time. Chazelle? Okay. Gesundheit. Oh, thank you. Uh, We really need to find Chazelle, and we're just hoping we can get some info. And with that, the Thrycreen noodles back to you in your brain and says, they will know more than I do. She traveled with them. I was left behind. I got grabbed by one of those beasts, and it tore my leg clear off. They left me for dead. Do you have healers who can take care of that? No. Uh. He he says, basically, in the most somber, like monotonous way, he says, it is my fate to die in the desert. But I did not. I will return to them and tell them you are worthy hunters, killers, and friends. This is my dying wish. Okay. And so with that, he just turns as if, you know, he was just telling you, hey, it's cloudy outside. And he just turns after saying he's probably going to die after this and starts heading uh, that way off into the desert, leading you guys for another few hours until night falls. And basically... He just stops parading with you and he starts grabbing at the dirt 
and like pukes a little bit of green goo up on it, rubs his hands in all this muck and starts just coating his arms and all of it and covering himself in all the mud and the dirt. And he just like hunkers down into a little position so that he just looks like a big old boulder. And he looks to you two and he says, do as I do. Jar- Jarzak spits into his hands. <laughs> immediately when he sees him do it <laughs> mimics <Like>. every move <laughs> just staring at Klika the whole time eyes locked Klika, um, can you take Klika back to the other people can I go back Klika no, it's too late Klika doesn't want to do this anymore <laughs> Klika just touches some dirt dry with her hands and then just like very very stiffly just puts a single pat on her shoulder and then just (laughs) super stiffly sort of just falls on the ground Klika if you (laughs) dig a hole under where I'm gonna be you don't have to rub dirt on yourself and you could just burrow under Klika's gonna try that Aren't you then still in the pile of dirt? Still gonna be surrounded by dirt. But yeah, don't have to. It won't be all over me. (laughs) With spit, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just digs it perfectly your height so that you're just standing in it, not touching the walls of the dirt hole. Just standing pin straight like. (laughs) And so as you start digging this hole laboriously with your hands and picking up the dried clayish dirt and the sandy dirt there, the Thrynacreen bobbles at you with the antennae and says, are you hunted? I sense fear. Clica's mm. enemy is all around us. It's, it is. It <laughs> peeps its head up immediately and starts to survey the landscape. It's, a, it's, a, it's an enemy Clica will never be able to defeat. And just sadly gets into her hole. <laughs> it just lowers itself in the position and keeps its eyes kind of moving left and right. And uh, so, what's the plan for you guys for the watch tonight? Are you hoping this guy's got the watch, or? It... Yeah, I mean, Clico's fine to do a watch. Yeah, we Are both have dark resting. Yeah, I mean, with between the three of us. Can we communicate a plan? Do you want us to roleplay that? or? Yeah, I mean, you might as well. Um, so, Mr. Well, do you have a name? And snap popping its jaw in a way that doesn't feel like words and feels more like it's maybe a title. Uh, the, I guess the loosest way you could say this in words is kick, tack, click. Um, Mr. Kick, tack, click. Um, we'll be taking turns on watch. Is that okay with you? And with that it it bobs its head and says, "We'll take different directions. Nothing will sneak up on us." Um. Well, <laughs> while one of us watches, the others usually sleep. And with that, it stands up with its one good leg and scuttles like a step away from you, and it like sits back down really quickly and leans in and says, you would risk our lives by sleeping? Well, we do it a lot. Uh, usually every day. And we're still here. 
it starts to scrabble away from you guys, very slowly slinking off into the distance as it tries to get away. Back to back. Get, get back here. It's not <laughs> safe on your own. Back to back. Tobacco click. Come here. Click a, <laughs> click a, you're, you're good in the hole. I, I, got, I got first. Okay. And so he just continues to scuttle away. I don't know if you wanted to stop him. Yeah. Okay. So as you rush over to get in his way, as he pathetically tries to scramble out of the distance, he rubs his little antenna on you as he kind of rolls to a side to be able to look up at you and says, I will not honor a hunter who weans himself with sleep. Sleep is for the weak and sleep is a terrible addiction that will get you killed. Yeah, that's why you but we need you to come back so you can get a direction. I, I can't get behind me. You gotta watch one way, I'll watch the other. We'll be good. No sleep's required. And with that, it looks you up and down again, and it starts to scuttle in that direction and plops down in its spot, looking like a boulder, and it looks perfectly in one direction, not stopping to look back at you, very mechanically like a sentry just staring in one direction, turning a little bit and turning back slowly. Charizak will do the same but in the other direction all night and not wait to sleep up for a watch. Turning your heads like 33 degrees <laughs> just fucking <laughs> I figured you guys were going to fall asleep and pretend like you're watching. Nope. I'll stay up all night. I'll let Klika sleep. Damn. Okay, so you're not getting back your spells and everything? Oh, you mean take you can a, get short, it back rest. a short rest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'll just take the level of exhaustion tomorrow. Yep. I understand the consequence of my action. That's so brutal, though. I'm <laughs> just... not going to risk being lost in the desert without a guide after I split from the party. I mean, he can't get away that quickly. And so with that, we cut back to Norhill and Anton, who are traveling with Barai and a donkey. And the, uh... I mean, you guys were traveling on horses initially. Yeah. So I guess we've got a gaggle of horses that we have, and we've got you two, uh, your horses are left behind. Well, actually, the one horse, because Jarzak rode with Klika on the back. So there's one extra horse and a donkey. Yeah, and you know, we'll redistribute you know, some of the stuff onto the spare horse so that we can maybe travel a little bit faster. Sure. Do you organize it to look like Jarzak and Klika sitting on the back, but like with pillows and things? Not as such, but we take like a, like a template pole and put like you know like a cactus on top, so it sort of is an approximation. Yeah, yeah just perfectly dangerous for the horse if it hits a bump. Um, and so with that, uh, yeah, your party after like having seen them fly off in the distance and hearing the rocks screeching in your direction, Barai just tries to hurry you guys down the road as fast as they can go. And Barai mentions he says the rock will probably stop just for the dead bodies, and he says. That's usually what they've done in the past. Cool. You said do something new in the future. Should do what? And you make it, you're making it sound like they might not be the case this time. No, it's just this is how they operate. We just need to get out of here so that we're not, I don't know, another dish on the plate. Indeed. And we might still want to look for some hard cover uh, so that we can wait it out until it passes along. He says, it's already seen us. There's no way it hasn't. It probably came seeing the commotion over here and seeing us leave. 
we should just leave it to its easy meal that's left behind and get as much of a distance so it'll stop, get its food that it can fill, and get out of here to go feed the babies. All right, then lead the way. And so with that, he just hurries on his horse and starts going in the uh, general direction following the path that apparently he knows northwest. And so following this path at a brisk pace, eventually he slows down. As you guys see in the distance behind you, the rock come to a crash landing in the dirt and you see a big like smoky cloud of all the dust kicked up and you can see like the thing just scuttling around on the ground on its you know feet for a hot minute. And then it just takes off and flies back in the direction that it came carrying with it in the distance. You can see just mangled piles in its claws and having swallowed a few of them itself. And so with that, yeah, Bri just looks back and he says, I sure hope that whatever fate is, you know, awaiting the other two is maybe not as grim as that. And he puts a hand on Anton's shoulder and says, I know this might be hard for you to hear, but they're probably not coming back. I won't believe that. Not for a second. They've survived many things on their own before. I have given them what I could to help. I trust in them. Why I say that Klinger's decisions bear the weight of destiny itself. If true, they'll be back. And with that, he kind of just looks back at you guys and he says, bears the weight of destiny? What? It's a very long story. Sounds like you could fill about 75 episodes of a podcast with it, each one approximately an hour each. You'd have to be crazy to listen to that much. What is a podcast? Indeed. And so with that, he says, merrily, and you continue (laughs) on your way. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's like the word hark. It'll always be funny to hear somebody yell hark. Hark! (laughs) Just merrily. Why why merrily? (laughs) Glory. Um, But with that, he just turns to you both and he says, it's an alien climb out there. There's going to be no moisture, no water. He says, the Thrykreen don't need the moisture in the way that we do. I wouldn't be surprised if Jarzak and Klee could die within two days. They'll be forced to march day and night without any hope of water. And he looks back at the mule and he says, we have all the supplies of our trip. I'd be surprised if right now they're even still alive. Nightfall out in the wasteland is not a good thing. Again, killer rabbits are out here in the daytime. You can imagine what lurks on the surface at night. As I've said, thought about that then. As I've said, I have, will not doubt their survival for a second. We must that, have just, oh, sorry. in hope. We do not have faith in, hope, faith in nothing. And so with that, he just kind of shrugs his shoulders and he says, I guess in situations like that, you're probably right and with that he kind of looks inward as if like you know paying more attention to i I guess you can see his shift in mentality from survival towards spirituality as he kind of like shifts his his look down and he says i apologize for doubting what'd you say he says i'm sure to me Hmm? there's no need for apologies you're simply talking of a fate we have no idea of I only say I'll hope because that is what I know I can do. And so with that, he just kind of looks down and says, I suppose we should be off. 
And so with that, the party travel onward for another few hours on this path. It's rough. It's very hot, but it's manageable. Every once in a while, you guys stop for small snacks and small bits of water. Um, yeah. And when night falls, you guys unravel the tent that you have. And it seems to be marked in colors that sort of match the surrounding dirt. And yeah, I mean, just set up a camp where I asks which place in the watch you want him on. You want to take either the first or the last, I think. And he says, I'd like to wake up at the dawn, but I know that's probably something Anton's more interested in. He usually is, but he won't take that. He won't take that opportunity away from Bri. He'll happily take the, he'll take the first watch. Give Bri the last. Okay. And so with that, he um, heads off to bed then and leaves you two awake for the last bit there before Norhill goes off to sleep. Was there anything you guys wanted to say? Uh, not Norhill specifically. He takes you know, his watch you know, very seriously in his militaristic manner. I think Anton's just goal is once they reach town is he's more concerned of like getting some sort of mapping or guidance to the desert to get an idea of like where Klika and Jarzak may have ended up. That's his bigger concern. I know finding Cherie, Cherie's man, right? It's like Gazelle and Shazam had a baby. I just want to keep saying Giselle, and that's not it at all. So, from what you can, I was going to say, from what you can gauge from the uh, direction that they're heading in and your overall knowledge of the island, it looks like they're probably going to be heading farther to the, uh, quicker to the coastline than you guys are. They're just kind of taking a more direct, kind of quick turning route. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Gotcha. Um, Yeah. And so, with that, um yeah i mean the night goes by pretty uneventfully and there's really no issues of any sort um and yeah so with that the uh next day klika and jarzak uh awaken so so what is the deal with going without rest because i don't i don't have xanathars on hand i looked it up so is this the constitution Yeah, whenever you end a 24-hour period without finishing a long rest, you must exceed a DC-10 constitution saving throw or suffer one level of exhaustion. The DC increases by five every consecutive 24-hour periods without a long rest. All right, so let's see. What do we got? Uh, 14. So you got the one level of exhaustion? Well, so it's DT uh, ten. So ten initially. That's it. Yep. yep. And then it goes up. By oh, five. in my head it was fifteen. It All right. So yeah, you're. After. So yeah, you're uh. Definitely looking a bit tired, but you're tired. But you're, better done that. Yeah, you're a college student at this point. It's all <laughs> good. Yeah, it's finals week, and so with that, um, yeah, the uh, uh, our friend the Thrycreen gets up, and starts getting ready to march in that direction, not stopping to eat or anything, but both of you two are starving at this point. Not starving, starving, but like, you know, famished. 
and really thirsty. So you guys have enough water for pretty much one day's worth of travel each. Well, let's do it. Oh. Snack on a ration and sip yeah. water when I absolutely need to. I mean, he can't with that. very far without our help, so we can walk and eat until we're done and then pick them up. Very good. And with that, you can tell the Thrycreen starts to fondle at you again as you both start eating and drinking and says, there's not much moisture to be found out in the, uh, in the wild. And I want you both to understand my camp won't have much of it either. So use this sparingly. Good. Okay. And so with that... You know, uh, Ronnie, when you're eating, is that a whole cheeseburger you're eating right now, Ronnie? Do I see you eating a whole burger? You're right in the camera, okay? No. Like, we're looking at just, like, more... Bur- it is a chicken, lettuce, and tomato sandwich, okay? I'm glad <laughs> I get to see it in high def. <laughs> just, like, in the camera perfectly. <laughs> so anyway, uh, the topic it also of- it pretty good. to the listeners that it's only half a one and not a whole one. Well, it looked like whole one from the when it's up close in the camera lens. It was hard to tell if it was half or whole. But with that, um, yeah. So the uh, trio continue their path through the wilderness and following the same sort of desperate course that you guys were before helping your bug friend. Um, did you want to talk to him at all? Because he sure as heck, kick the click, definitely doesn't look like it's going to be speaking to you guys at any point. Uh, no, just following. Okay. So with that, he leads you guys off into the distance, heading closer and closer to the coastline, as you can feel like wind is coming into the land that weren't there initially as you were in the mainland. And the winds seem to be a little bit cooler. Um, But yeah, and after uh, just about before nightfall, kick the click starts to kind of like click upwards as if like sort of into the sky and aiming it and starts letting out like a crickety kind of noise. And in the spaces around you, could I get a perception check real quick? <laughs> At least one of us did good this time because usually we're both so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I got a three. I got a 21. <laughs> so with a 21, you like looking around and seeing uh, kick the click start like slowing down and start clicking at the sky you know what you're kind of looking for. And as you look and see like boulders in the ground, you start to recognize what the boulders are before they start moving. But all of a sudden a legion of about 15 or so boulders start to unravel into thrycrane shapes armed with spears that were laying on the ground, like driftwood, shiny morning, uh, uh, shiny uh, throwing stars that have, you know, kind of resurfaced out of the dirt, like shiny stone. And they seem fully armed and at the ready and in like a full force before you, are armed and ready to start tossing them your way where kick the click begins to center, sort of chirp and click pop at the uh, ones that before him. Yeah. When I, when I see, the, when I notice this, I'm just going to give the like gauntlet a squeeze and activate the speak with Bug voice. Yes. Okay. Uh, what about Klika? When Klika does notice this happen, she will activate her ability as well. Good old transforming bugs. The Beetleborgs. Um, but with that, uh, our, yeah, I don't know. I was talking about that show the other day. Apparently, <laughs> nobody knows what Beetleborgs is, but fucking me. But, but anyway. The 10,000 Power Rangers, your boss. 
Hell yeah, it was a good one. I had the Beetleborgs fucking thermos and lunchbox. Of course you did. What the hell? Like, what the hell kind of childhood was that? And I remember watching that show. Anyway, point is, the boogie boy before you kick the click starts to click at the group before him. And they stand there stoically looking back as he says he survived having his leg torn off by the rabbits. He dragged himself like day and night to a tree where he was defended by you guys. And yeah, managed. Uh, he mentions how Jarzak has magic powers and said that uh, you guys had brought him here safely and that you two both suffer from a terrible addiction to water and sleep. And we're probably going to be too weak to survive in the wasteland and would be dead weight. Uh, which again says it very monotonously, assuming you can hear him and understand yeah. him. He's just good self, honestly. Good self. And so with that, um, the group before him start to kind of click amongst themselves, and you hear them all sort of conversing on the topic of you guys coming back. And one of them steps forward a step and says, Kick the click is not welcome here anymore. You are dead to the clan. You are too weak to keep up with the hunt. You are banished. Be gone. And kick the click to sort of nods a couple times and turns to you guys as if like, well, time to go. Okay, let's go. Um, I was going to say, hey, uh, Kalika. <laughs> Wasn't ready for Jarzak to call my bluff on that one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so where are you going to go? And kick the click looks to you and says, I will die. Oh. Uh, how? And he says, just like you, we will be eaten, killed, dehydrated, famished. Something will kill us, for we are not whole without a clan, and I am banished, just as you are. So wait, did we get banished too? Did they not accept us? I mean, I'm. I think he means more that uh, that Norhill and Anton and Barai left you guys. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, but if if they're gonna just leave you to die, wouldn't it? Why wouldn't they just do it themselves? Well, with that. Um kick the click, leans forward and does the little antenna thing and says, as a sign of peace and a gift, they will not eat me now, but they will find me later and possibly eat me then. Sika really doesn't want you to die. <laughs> kick the click says, I have no one. I'm already dead. And again, the most painfully monotonous tone. As if the computer program, like Siri, read it back to you. Like, I'm dead. I have no home. Damn it, Boltini. Yes, Boltini here. <laughs> Very good. Klico just doesn't understand this island. <laughs> She's just thinking back to the gladiator pits and how... Those people died for nothing. The, the, no way that Klika could understand. And now this Thrykreen is has to die because it has no one to lean on. 
and it just doesn't make sense to Klika. Charizard's gonna turn towards the clan and be like, I know he might be too weak for the clan, but I was wondering if you would allow us a question. And in a very robotic sense, they say, offer us a gift or we will take one. Okay, a gift. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> with that, I summon my battle axe and hand it to him. Fucking dummy rock bugs. There you go, buddy. Click us like, wait. Oh. And with that, it looks down at the axe and swings it in one of its four powerful hands and tosses around all four hands swinging through the air with deafness and grace. And it looks back at you and says, a weapon of a hunter. Kick the click told no lies. And with that, it leans in and says, you may ask the question. Do you know where... All right, I'm going to need the name again. I'm Dan. not saying the name. name. I refuse. No. Come on, I, I just refuse. remember the thing I said. It's that movie that has the guy, the superhero. He's got a big electric lightning ball on his chest and that animal mm-hmm. that lives in Africa and jumps a lot. Chazelle. There we are. <laughs> See, look at that. Do you know where Chazelle is? Do you know where Shazam the gazelle is? <laughs> oh, that guy? That Shazamtelope? <laughs> Ironically, yeah. Um, no, no, no. You're thinking of Gazelle the Shazam. It's a very strange monster out here. But um, with that, they answer and they say, we led her many miles through the wasteland and brought her to the town of Terulo safely. She is a good person, one to be trusted. We brought her as a gift. We were attacked many times. This is why Kick the Click was wounded and destined for death, clanless and banished. Okay. Can you point us in the direction of the town? And with that, they kind of point in the general direction. Seeming like you guys are probably going to triangulate. So you really didn't miss too much time going this way. And with that, I'm like, all right, it's time for us to go then. I cast fly on Klika and we take off. I assume if Klika does. And so kick the click just starts death marching into the desert by himself in the dark no i think uh, i'd rather travel with kick the click a little bit of the ways at least and then one of us can bring him out back and put that dog down okay that's fine <laughs> uh, then i will save my fly uh we can just i mean i can carry you again and fly him what's the range on that axe before it goes poof uh, well, I have to call it back to me. Uh, let me see. Pretty sure there's a rule for that, though, right? That you're yeah, not allowed is. to be on a different plane from it. Well, it's yeah. like, but I'm staying on this plane. I know. I'm saying that that's an know. example. There's a few stipulations. But 
Yeah. So Kick the Click starts walking away, not assuming you guys are going to help him. And after a few hops, he falls to the ground and starts to drag his body. Imagine Kalika probably comes running to his aid or something. Mm. Kalika's going to, before we leave, does she want to give them two of her daggers or would that be too metagamey? Klika doesn't know how hex weapons work. Nah, that's too metagamey. Um, yeah, I, I just like to get some distance away, at least with kick to click, and then give him a mercy killing is what Klika would like to do because she doesn't really know. She doesn't understand this island or why people live like this or anything lives like this. Okay. And so as Kick the Click starts to drag himself away or themselves away, um, you go over to assist and Kick the Click turns to you and says, you are banished as well. It's better we separate. Better chances for survival. Kick the Click. Are... Are you trying to survive, or are you just going to die? And with that, Kick the Click says, I am already dead. I have no clan. I am worthless. I am nothing better than the sand itself. What if we found you a new clan? And with that, Kick the Click says, I am not worthy of clan. And he looks down at his torn off leg and says, I am nothing more than a liability. I am useless. What if we found you a place where it didn't matter if you were a liability? If Kick the Click had a clan, Kick the Click would have purpose. All right, that's it. You're in our clan, bud. We need you to, to stay up at night because some of us can't. And with that's that, your job. Kick the Click, his antennae, like, bobble around really quick, like a couple of pensive little bounces, and then kick the click with rippling anthropod muscles just leaps up onto its one leg and starts to like chitter excitedly and says I am part of the clan yes you are we have few number the night watcher and so with that kick the click starts chirping excitedly and says where are we headed we have to go to that town that your uh, old clan mentioned Tarulo. We have to find Chazelle. And so that Tarulo points in the direction you guys are not heading in and says, we can be there in a day. Do not sleep. We will get there. Yep. Well, don't need sleep. Let's go. <laughs> and with that, it hops a couple times and falls to the ground. Okay, but uh, some of us sometimes need sleep, but now we fly and I can fly on him and myself very good and you scoop up Klika and you guys fly off into the distance finding now a good spot of cover finding a thicket of dead trees that you guys can land in one of the more dense spidering brachiations and make a little like camp in a tree while we're up in the air can we look for water 
Yeah, you guys are, I mean, not too far away from the coast. As far as like an actual meaningful river is concerned, it none none in the vicinity of you guys. You would imagine the nearest actual like meaningful river is probably Tarulo itself. Like there's probably a it's probably built on a river. Okay. And so with that, um, yeah, you guys landed the tree for brachiations there as under the uh discretion of kick the click himself and yeah so with that um okay and then the other party uh on your second day again it's it's kind of really uneventful but continuing through for the second day here you guys by nightfall approach the walls of terulo which to say their walls is kind of glorifying these big giant mud risings that are surrounding the place that have hardened in the sun and everything. Um, but there is a river which sort of is built, uh, the city's, uh, sorry, the town is built around it. And so the construction of this place is very much so like, I don't want to say it, like clay homes that are all kind of stacked in very organized little clusters, giving kind of like little clan units, like little pods of these homes with roads that are smoothed over from constant travel leading through the middle and the river kind of perfectly bisecting the town itself. Um, and as you guys enter, Barai says, this is actually where I hail from initially. He says, if you wouldn't mind, I would like to see my family. And so with that, he gives kind of a nod and he says, you are welcome to stay amongst my family. He says, I don't know that they're going to accept you as willingly as I have, but that is simply their fear for the world outside. No, I think you should take your time amongst your family alone. Mm. Uh, homecoming is a rare thing it ought to be cherished in your own special ways and so with that he says we will ask about Chazelle as soon as we get there I'm sure somebody in my family will be able to inform us of any notice of her and so with that the group are led in through the streets and again, this place is filled with a bunch of like side-eye glances and everybody looks like Anton. Like it is just an entire community of like <laughs> very like fiery red to auburn, like different shades of like red infused blondes, red infused brunettes and stuff like that. Like it's just, everybody looks very Anton-ish. So I guess Norhill's the only one who stands out like a sore thumb here. Just a dwarf in full plate, just meandering through the streets. Man. But this I place seems I can't like... wait for regular gang Jarzak, Klika, and Kick the Click to show up. Like, we are the clan. Shall I fight for our honor? <laughs> like, Kick the Click just starts throat punching these natives. <laughs> As he's falling over, you know? <laughs> and so with that, um, yeah, the, uh, the streets are lined with small trading peoples. This looks like a community that thrives more on bartering than anything else. And you guys can see the occasional well set up here. The river itself looking kind of silty, but you can see people utilizing it for everything it's worth with water wheels grinding, you know, various things into powders, the water wheels to grind up the petrified wooden hardened planks and whatnot. Um, but yeah, it's a surviving community that doesn't look like it's got a single rich person to it and instead you see everybody's thriving sort of equally which kind of stinks because everybody's 
but everybody's also struggling equally. Oh. So everybody's doing well, but compared to outside the walls. In reality, you see famished children everywhere. You see the common person looks haggard and weather-beaten, and it looks like more than enough people, like Barai, have turned to mercenary work rather than like an honest means of you know living. And so as you guys make it to a small section of the town where he has uh, his home set up, uh, you can tell that he's got sort of like, I don't want to say like a little condominium sort of situation here, but there's just like a circle of homes. And in the center is a small well adorned with sort of colorful stones around the base of it. And as he runs into one of the homes, sort of breaking the typical Barai solemnness, he runs into one of them, kicking aside the uh, small curtain adorning the doorway. And you can hear excited squeals, giggles and laughter as Barai seems to be reunited with a family and many, many children. And so, yeah, other than that, once you guys walk into this little subsection here, people peek from windows and you see curtains lift and like people peer out of little holds and hidings. And it seems like everybody's staring at Norhill and Anton, after the familiarity of your appearance wears off, it becomes very apparent that you're wearing symbolage of, or sorry, the, uh, the signage of the illuminator carrying the lantern and such. And so with that, people begin to like, you know, again, stare at you like, is this guy for real right now? But with that, Barai comes back out and he says, if you would like to, he says, my wife and family would like to have a dinner tonight in your honor. I told my wife very briefly of how great companions I've made along the road. And I said that I've been saved for I've been gone for a long time. We have some fish prepared that I would like to share with you. You're very gracious, sir. I would be honored. Neil, yes. And so with that, you guys are welcomed to a dinner with about, I guess in the whole community here that sort of meets at his home and takes like small bowls, which appear to be like root vegetables that have been repurposed into bowls, um, a sort of pickled fish soup that's very gross, very kelpy, very fishy, very oily and greasy with a lot of grit to it. But the flavors that seem refined by the pickling seem to be very subtle yet intricate. So it's definitely like a, a, a food that's prepared culturally. It's not one that's like to impress anybody, like this is home cooking. And so amongst the like 10 or so adults that are met up here to get the food, there's about like 30 children that line up and get bowls of food. Each and every one of them getting a little splashing of it with some fish and some vegetables. And it seems like nobody has a full serving, but everybody's gracious to be eating amongst the full family set up here. And so with that, Barai and a few of the other men here and women, he is able to discern that Chazelle had to come through here at one point, but there seems to be quite a level of hush amongst the grown-ups here that have met with Barai. And it seems like in every conversation that's had Norhill and Anton are sent off to the kids table to eat their food where the adults are speaking in their own close knit little ring here. Uh, you do notice that people from other small communities have also begun to kind of pop in every once in a while between buildings, 
looking very similar yet different so it's like every once in a while some new people are coming to eyeball the weirdos who came into town today sort of really reinforcing the idea of how secretive and how like tight-knit this little community is but um yeah eventually once barai is able to break away he turns to you guys and says i'm going to be honest with you they are refusing to tell me details of chazelle's entrance to our society and this is because you are all here with me. And Chazelle is a valued member of our society and an important person for our heritage and all that we know and all that we've come to cherish. And not one of them trusts you, even if you've saved my life on a plethora of occasions. I hope you understand what she means to our community and I hope you understand that I cannot make them budge I'm afraid I'd rather that be in secrecy than behind the king's bars that is so he, decision he I just I'm oh, sorry go ahead oh, he's just like that's a decision I have made and what sorry what was the decision that you made that he'd rather she remain in secrecy than behind the king's bars. I understand your desire to keep the secrets of your culture. Uh, however, if somebody would be willing to carry a message, perhaps she would be interested in meeting with us and not the other way around. That way, no secrets have been broken, uh, no, culture, uh, no cultural taboos uh, need be violated, and everyone can get what they want. And with that, he kind of just shrugs and says, I will tell them of this proposition and we'll see what they have to say. And so he slinks off and talks to them for another minute or two. And you can tell very clearly from their stone cold and stoic faces as they turn every once in a while to look at you guys that they are not eating up this plan very much. And Barai comes back after about five minutes of heated discussion and says, I don't mean to break any confidence you have in this, but she is far from here. Very far from here. I don't really know where, and I fear she may be amongst Ira's children in the north. They did not tell me this, but I don't know where else she would be. And I'm afraid if she Never mind. And he looks down. He says, I think our quest may be over here. And I can only imagine the weight of guilt that, well, you can imagine how guilty I feel that the quest has to end here. I can do what I can to arrange for a ship to guide you all back towards, towards, towards Avi. Maybe I can get a boat that'll bring you back to, to the coast. Maybe Eagleheart. Or something is the best I can do to repay you all for my life. Why can't we travel to the children of Ira? And so he just kind of smirks a little bit and says, "They would dismember you and and destroy you." I and so he like re recognizing his smirk, he kind of pulls back and he says, "I apologize. I meant no offense when I said this. It's just." They don't take kindly to strangers. 
And as he kind of lifts one hand up your vestige and sort of turns his hand inward at himself, we are martyrs against their cause. I am afraid that this is all I can do. You've done more than enough for us, but Anton looks toward Norhill says, I need to find out more. We must continue. I need to find out more from the source. You stay here safe with your family. I enjoy mm. that you have, and I'm more than happy to leave what can support this town, this village as best I can, but Norhill and I will need to continue further north, but we may stay for a day or two waiting for the rest of our group to catch up. Fair enough. And he says, the least I can do is offer you shelter. He says, I can't promise you much in the ways of food and perhaps you can find some way to barter to get some meals for yourself. And as he gestures one hand back, he says, I have many children to feed and my family have done the best they could without me. He says, unfortunately, I came home without much to say and without much to give and this set us back quite a bit. We are more than capable of paying our own way. We will be quite hard. But I don't know if it'll be looked down upon when Norhill's people had to travel. We supported them with gifts of my God. Securing basics but food and water for survival. I could also bestow this help on your family as well. I only hope that they don't be offended by it. I know that the Illuminator is not a favored god here, but I do not do it out of spreading the word of the Illuminator simply to help you in need. And with that, a couple of kids playing chicken knock over a table and spill bowls of soup everywhere. And one of the adults starts yelling at them in a cultural dialect that's kind of hard to understand, but you're hearing swears that you didn't know existed. And like the adults are getting very fiery mad at the kids and the kids in fear come running over to Barai and hide behind his robes. And one of them looks to you and sticks a tongue out and you can see they're missing their front teeth and snickers to you with a little dirty face and hides back in the robes. As one of the adults come running over to scold these children and looks over at you and gives a scowl real quick. And just what's he supposed to do? He's not gonna scowl back. He's just like just gonna look sort of bright. He's like, would you would you people be offended by assisted and with food situation? Barai kind of shrugs a little bit and he says, Anton, you must understand I've done a lot of changing in the time that I've known you, and I've accepted many new ideologies. And the biggest hurdle I've had to get over is my pride. We have survived by being proud people, going to bed proud and hungry, proud and thirsty, proud and endangered. I let my pride go and embraced what the light has to offer. I don't think that you can change the opinions of many people, but I think a full belly is more than enough of a gift for hungry children. And he puts his head, I mean, his hand on the heads of the two kids at his robes and he says, as father of at least one of the families here, I would be more than gracious for any gifts you have to bestow upon my children. And one of the kids grabs onto his robe and starts to say, who's that man? 
Okay. I mean, so so does the spell require just taking like one bit of food and expanding it or something? Because if that's the case, I mean, you could just take the food that they already have and you could do it that way. And that would probably make a bit of sense. I create 45 pounds. Because you made the mud pies. Yeah, it doesn't tell it doesn't tell me how it's made. It just says what I make. Uh, okay. I, I think that it just comes out of nowhere, but you know, it's it's flavor. Uh, you're taking whatever's already there. It does make it making it plenty. Bread. Just yeah, there's no material components. It's just yeah, verbal they're, somatic. They're all just okay. getting of bread. They're all getting what? Forty-five oh. pounds of food and thirty gallons of water. Loaves Jeez. of bread. Yeah. It's just loaves of bread. Okay, and water, and fresh water. Okay, yeah. and so with that, using the power of the light, how does that spell look? I don't feel like he'll want to do it there. I feel like he'd rather make sure everyone in the community has access to this. So he'd rather do it by the river and just find like a quiet spot and slowly like work with the water and work with like the soil and just start kind of molding it and making it like Sure, blessed with the light of the lantern cooking in yeah. your hands. Yeah. So Anton, over the process of like an hour, makes his little bakery with Norhill just kind of standing there to like, I helped. And you... Uh, actually, while we're walking through the town, Norhill's going to look around and get an idea of like what kind of industry these people have. And, okay. You know, what, what's uh, sort of get an idea of the area. Okay. So, I mean, to put it simply, I mean, apart from simple trades like making pottery out of the, the, um, like the clay that can be found on the river, the silt here, there's also a lot to be said about like root crafting and like the very basics of making boats from the petrified wood that they had out there. That's kind of reworked. So this place is definitely a fishing town with some light industry, but it's all practical. Like it's like, you know what I mean? Like rough baskets made from weeds you know what I mean? Bowls, plates, all that stuff. But you don't see a single metal tool around within clear sight. Hmm. And yeah, so as far as Anton opening up the Easy Bake Oven here, um, yeah, you're able to make all the loaves. And as you start stacking them, Barai begins to bring loaves of bread back to the children and back to the parents and everybody. And some people just place it on countertops and tables and ignore it. But the kids just start nomming on it like crazy. And everybody seems to slowly warm up to this. And after recognizing that this is enough to feed the people who eat very little, additional people who have been surveying the landscape and prodding in nosily, they come over and start to nibble on bread as well. Until eventually, the adults who initially had, you know, snubbed you guys and pushed Barai aside, called Barai back over again, and they sort of talked to him in hush-hush tones. And Barai approaches Norhill, who I guess comes back after his walk, and Anton's busy at work. They approach, He approaches Norhill and says, when Anton is finished, some of the adults would like to speak with him tonight were to meet behind my house in the workshop. Do not tell anyone. I shall deliver your message to Anton then. And so 
Anton over time as people approach and take the food, you begin to get thank yous every once in a while. And it's kind of strange hearing it. And everybody seems almost like, I don't want to say it, like there seems to be a little bit of difficulty with thanking you, recognizing very clearly how the food's being made. But it seems like people are genuinely grateful. And I'm proud of what your land can produce. <laughs> he gives that to them. You're proud Start. of what your land can produce. You're making food out of nothing. It's mud pies again. Damn it, Anton. You're making standards clay I can't pies. live up They're to. Clay pies. Like, why clay can't you make cool. mud pies like that guy? Damn it, wife. She's like, that's not food. It's dirt. <laughs> like, just like Anton said, live off the land. Like, we can't eat dirt. There's no nutrients. And that man died. Oh. Dirty and scary. So anyway. You farmer um, V2. With that, uh, you guys end up in the uh, little farmer shack behind the uh, house. And uh, we zip back to Klika and Jarzak, who uh, in the morning after our friend the Night Watch awakens both of you at the absolute crack of dawn, like, like the sun's not even beginning to come up yet. And he just preemptively smacks both of you guys to wake up. I and think with little feelers before, on your heads, just like, like Klika's was going to wake up a little bit earlier anyway, like as if she was taking last watch. Um, and she's going to, cause we landed in, a, I wouldn't say a thicket, but we landed near some of the fossilized trees, right? Yep. Uh, she wants to try and put together like a crutch for, uh, kick the lick, kick the click. Okay. Some, you know, so like try and find like a piece of wood that would match his height well. And then like sort of round it out with her dagger and I guess if she can use mending to sort of make it more palpable I'm sure he yeah. doesn't care but she wants it to be at least fairly comfortable and something that'll fit under his lower leg or his lower arm and help him carry himself yeah, I mean, you can pretty much make him a peg leg, essentially, and you can use mending to sort of suction cup fit it to his to his leg. And yeah, I mean, with that, he looks to you and rubs feelers on you as you present it to him as a gift. And as soon as you get within closeness, he rubs you with the feelers and he says, now I am fit for hunting. I am with clan and I am with skills. Um, yeah. Aklika doesn't know how good it's going to work, but... It just snaps. <laughs> puts anyway. <laughs> oh, breaks boy. an arm. Yeah. <laughs> um, we got to go, Jarzak. But... Klika, Klika just wants you to know that... Um, Klika's happy that you're here with us and happy to be part of your clan. And with that, um, Kick the Click says, it is beneficial to me and my survival to be with you both. I hope to benefit you in the same way. Survival amongst many is pleasurable. Uh, that's kind of like what Klika said, yeah. <laughs> and so with that, Kick the Click flies out of the tree and lands with the, uh, the, uh, 
wooden peg leg that he's got now. And it seems to do well enough under his weight. And as he starts to adjust it and get it properly prepped to his leg, you recognize now that the speed of the Thrycreen, now that he has like an appendage there, is about three times the speed of either of you running. And he I mean, is like lightning quick. I mean, meta game wise, I noticed that you weren't saying we were ever traveling at half speed when Jarzak was carrying him. So I assumed he was moving, being propped up fast. with someone else, just like three legged race, hot dog style, but <laughs> had no practice and wasn't saying hot or dog to know when to move which legs. So yeah, he, I, Klika sort of picked up that he even, and his disadvantage state was doing pretty well for himself. Yeah, he's been the Shazam gazelle the whole time. We just oh didn't my know. God. <laughs> and so with that, the next day, um, uh, uh, Kick the Click just sort of says, are you able to travel any faster than this? Um. Probably Klika's getting kind of low on water, but if we were able to make it to Tarulo before the end of the day, Klika should be able to move pretty quickly. We have a dwarf who, well, sometimes he gets pretty excited about going places, and so he goes pretty quick, even with the little legs. Klika's jealous. Klika wishes her little legs could move that quick. Kick the click grabs you by the scruff of your neck and puts you onto his shoulders and latches you on like a small backpack and turns to Jarzak and says, as a prideful hunter, I saw you run for those rabbits before with great speed, as if your bonus action provided you just as much speed per round as me. Perhaps you two can catch up with us. Yes, I'll just assume you're stealing Klika and you are now my enemy. (laughs) (laughs) That's not how it works. Keep pace. Also, this is um, the best up up clique I ever got because I imagine it was like a transfer from lower hands to upper hands to back. And it's like, <laughs> wow, it's so fluid. <laughs> yeah. And so with that, um Klika imagines what Jarzak would be like with forearms. Just that's weird, Jarzak. That he didn't make a like weird noise when picking me up, yeah. like it was tough to do. <laughs> <laughs> Dad noises. Like not all of us are that strong. And so with that, um, uh, kick the click says, "You are thirsty. Come with me, and I will provide us with substance for you to drink." And with that, he just jets off with click on back, leaving Jarzak in the dust behind. Unless nope. Jarzak's gonna hold. <laughs> so he very quickly outruns you. And as he's rushing around out here in the shrubs and kind of jouncing around between the bushes, one of those giant rabbits leaps up and like tries to get away as he's sprinting. And with his immense speed, he just full body tackles it. And with four arms, snaps neck and spine in perfect spots to end its life quickly, very quickly. And standing up on his wooden leg with a creak and a groan, he picks up the rabbit with one hand, again, German shepherd sized. And he says, Perhaps you and Jarzak can drink from this. Does it? Where's the water skin? Cleek is looking around at the rabbit to see where it was holding the water pouch. I finally catch up. Uh, 
I think I'll try it out first. He slashes its uh, abdomen, the uh, the chest there, with the uh, one of his sharpened talons on his little buggy hand, and blood starts drizzling out of it. And he says, "Drink, my clan brothers, or uh, clan folk." Jarsack drinks. <laughs> Can you roll a con save for me, real quick? I mean, I don't know. Jarzak's hard as fuck in some ways. I bet, you know... It tastes delicious. I don't know about that part. Uh, I'm pretty sure it does. What'd I'm pretty sure that's one of the flaws from my gauntlet. That bad things taste good. And good is things it? taste that's, bland. Or foul. That's so creepy. Why is this gauntlet finally... You found your people, Jarzak. I, I, found, I found the message you sent me on it, so I now know the rules of it. So yeah, as you expect to think this is gross, you (laughs) laugh at it, and it's like it has a certain quality you didn't notice before, and the warmth of it going into your mouth and sort of matching your own body temp, it's like this velvety, watery experience that's thicker than water, kind of like eggnoggy, and it goes down smooth and in like a very satisfying level of like saltiness that really just quenches thirst in a a very uh, bodily way. And what yeah, is eggnog, everyone? You heard it here first. <laughs> oh, man. It's uh, canon. Yeah, Cleeks, it's pretty good. Here, try some. Well, Jarzak seemed like he was having a good enough time. Cleeks could cup we some pres- in, in her hand <laughs> to try and drink it. Do you press the digitation? I do, but I don't know it tastes bad yet. He was enjoying himself. Let's roll a con save. 14. Okay. Yeah, you're able to take it. It's not good, but you don't like spit it out. Like you, it's this is this is to keep you alive at this point. You're you're drinking like dirty water. You know what I mean? Like it's not good, but it's going to make pee. You know what I mean? It's not good, but your joints won't hurt. That's going in for seconds. Yeah, Klika will definitely <laughs> ringing it out like a gogurt. Klika's so- definitely going to press to digitate the second hand cup of it. What, so what flavor? This, what must this situation be like? Because Klika always smells like pennies, but now she's drinking something that tastes like iron. <laughs> what is this experience of all the metal stunts and flavors? I just want to know what you make it taste like. Do you make it taste like pennies instead? Glico's mm, gonna make it taste like I guess <laughs> the only other red thing sh- has Glico had wine. Yeah, Glico's probably had wine, so Glico yeah, will fight. make yeah Glico will make it taste like wine. Okay, so she gets wasted. No, I'm just kidding. But she <laughs> <laughs> drinks some of it, and with that, the Thrycreen that looks fucking excited rabbit boy get you fucked up. You know what I'm saying? Get out there, you get the crazy desert eyes. Howling at the moon, running with the rabbits. (laughs) Anton and Norhill are just having a nice, wholesome, like seafood, like clam baked dinner with all the natives. You guys are getting crazy on fucking rabbit. Rabbit It's like fear and loathing out in the desert with you guys. There's a peg like Thrycreen who's like, just drink it, don't think about it. Click, click, pop. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, he turns to both of you and says, are you finished? Are you satiated? Yeah, that was, thank you. 
And with that, he tears it in half and lifts one half up to his little mandibles and starts just eating the guts right out, snapping and pulling entrails out. And it seems to just like pull tendons and snap in his mouth. And he just sort of just pulls it all in. Um, do you taste it? And he says, taste is also an addiction. Agreed. <laughs> this is delicious, though. <laughs> I don't think you know what I meant when I said that. And so with that, uh, he gets ready to start running off again and turns to you and says, we can make it to the town by sundown, but we need to go faster. Can you go faster? I cast fly on us. How long is fly going to last for you? Ten minutes, and then I can do it again for another ten minutes. I think we calculated it before. It's about like three to four miles or something like that. If yeah, you it's a little bit of a boost. speed. Yeah. So How many times can you cast it? You also have, it, and you also recall that you're going as the crow flies, so you're saving a little bit of time by not having to follow the landscape. Yep. True. Yeah, I, I can cast it twice. So we got 20 minutes, so probably like what six to eight miles-ish. Sure, but and then taking short rests in between. Yeah, and then I can do it two more times. So that's fine. Okay. And or, I can, worth, or I can catnap so we don't have to short rest. I mean, there that's an go. efficient system. And Kick the Click is definitely very enthused by this ability to, to speed run this, this <laughs> landscape and says the people of my clan, the hunters, would be jealous of such speed and endurance why would you I two be, are fit hunters. why would i be jealous of the speed and endurance <laughs> it doesn't no. he said you know he said the people of my clan we are his clan now and with that he tilts his bug head and he's like okay my people <laughs> no i'm just kidding. so with that uh, kick the click excitedly begins to fly again Kleka knows you don't really like sleeping but um, it it Klika will only sleep? make Jarzak sleep for ten minutes, and then he'll be able to make us fly again. I was gonna say Jarzak has no spells because he hasn't rest, but he did short rest. He's just not closing yeah, his eyes and, for and it. Catnap specifically puts the target to sleep, so I know he's gonna have just like, kick the he's like, oh, fuck. Just... Um, but Klika can well. If you're ever interested in trying sleeping for just a little bit, Klika can let you rest with Jarzak if you want. And so that kick the click says, I will never sleep. It is a weakness that I will never fall to. I've already fallen to the weakness of, well, tolerating people outside of my own kind. I need to at least stand by one virtue, and that is staying awake. Well, that's good. Now I won't be awake alone. And then, you know, cast catnap on Jarzak. Didn't give him any so, warning. He just he falls just, face yeah, forward. Fall. <laughs> <laughs> Wakes up with so, a bloody nose. <laughs> so, fueled by catnaps in flight, this trio of hunters cross the landscape in record speed. With just like flying at super speed and crash landing for a nap, then taking flight again for 20 minute bursts. And by nightfall, you guys also find the muddy walls of the town of Tarulo. And as you guys approach this place, 
it's very clear that this is a little human settlement as the lights outside and everywhere around are, you know, going dim as night comes, but there are sort of watches around um, with that uh, kick the click sort of turns to you and says, we have reached the settlement. Should I be on the lookout for opponents? Perhaps I will find a new weapon as he clicks each and every one of his little talons along his hands, like going down a xylophone with a, with, you know, the mallet there. As he just on all four hands. Um, well, I don't know if they'll be any better than your your claws themselves, but Klika has these, and Klika will give him uh, her two daggers. And with that, he looks at them and says, I haven't seen metal of this make in the desert out in the wasteland in quite some time. He says, not since we killed raiders. He says, these will be good. I thank you, sister. I mean, I, yeah, I have I have stuff you can have, too. As the axe ha- As is As I here. re-summon the axe. To my, it, it's about a minute, so pretty much a minute after we left it, it would uh, go away. Yeah, and with that, Kick <laughs> the Click looks at this axe and is like, was this the axe from before? The other old clan is not worthy and with it came that, back said, to me and with that kick the click sort of puts it together a little bit and says did you tell them one thing but do a different thing yes I did it worked so well for our survival yes that's kick, the whole point in life kick the click survive. don't don't get don't get lessons from Jarzark on lying. It's bad. <laughs> I shall learn this hunting tactic. No. It will serve us all well. Oh, nope, no. Nope. Here, you can use this axe and play with it, but it'll come <laughs> back to me eventually. Um, ha- have so, fun. We There shouldn't be any enemies in the town. Um, Klika doesn't think you should attack anyone without asking her Jarzak first. Very well. And so as you guys are standing here by the gate, or at least one of the gates, you guys see sort of a trio of torchlights coming from the wasteland. And you can see some big, gigantic furry figure wearing like a cloak over it, sort of in the middle of the trio, being led through one of the gaps in the walls in the distance. Just a quick question. We're at the same town, Norhill and Antonar, right? Okay, I just want to <laughs> just want to confirm that because I know there's a lot. Imagine of you're names. just not. <laughs> not since we saw that Thrycreen and the two weirdos were drinking rabbit blood in the desert. It was terrifying. <laughs> just show up covered in blood with the grasshopper friend. Like, where's Shazam? So we don't uh, have a Shazam. We've never had a Shazam. Please go away. Klika's going to realize that all three of them were traveling in the dark without any light because they don't need it and uh, light up a torch <laughs> and so that the people approaching can see us. Well, they're they're like farther away. This is the only movement outside of the town you guys see. So they're not close to you, but they're the only movement outside of the place. And they seem to be lurking in. But when I say a tall furry figure, I mean like it's just it stands out like a sore thumb. It's like seven or eight feet tall, big giant furry guy. Oh, and we're like, how far away are we from the edge of the town? 
about a hundred or so feet. You're just like under a ridge. Have this and this figure it's approaching us now? No, it's approaching from a different side. So it's like you guys are sitting here looking over the ridge to get into the town and talking about what to do when you get in there. And you guys can see in the distance they're moving in from like a different entrance. Oh, okay. Specifically, though, it's not like a, a very, I don't know. It doesn't look like an entrance. Like they're going through a crack in the wall. Click has never seen a seven foot tall furry person. Correct. I'll follow him. Yeah, I don't think you would have. But yeah, yeah. You, you. Okay, so you try to follow them. We're going to. Yeah, I think we'll approach. No lights out approach. Oh well, yeah. If okay, I, I I thought we were at the like on the wall of the town, but no. Yeah, we don't need a light source right now. It'll fuck everything up. Um. Okay. And so, so you guys wanted to actually like approach them in the distance. I want to tell them to see how they're getting. I want to. Yeah, I want to get close enough to properly <laughs> identify them. Okay. And so with that informing kick the click, you guys all hunch down and begin your sort of circling around to the edge of where they were going in. And as you guys approach, can I get a stealth check from all of you? (laughs) Way to go kick the click. Way to go everybody but Klika probably. Klika got an 18. She's good. She is the knight. I got an 18 as well. Oh, nice. So Jarzak's just front and center on the road, clinking and clanging with his six. <laughs> there you go. Gosh, okay. we got a snake. Jarzak <laughs> got so used to flying, he forgot how to walk. <laughs> so as you guys begin to circle around and approach the big furry guy in the trio, the big furry guy in the trio stop, and they hunker down, and the torches go out immediately as you get within like 200 or so feet of them around a corner. And using your wonderful little abilities with dark vision, I mean, it's hard to see anything in specific as it seems like they're just kind of covering this guy up with like a big giant tarp. Hey, hey, who go, halt, who goes there? And with that, they say, who are you? Uh... I'm a traveler. And then with that, they say, Travelers are not welcome here. Be gone. Who who are you? They said we are natives and we will defend our native land. You don't. What about our? So there's Three one big guy and Three one humans. big giant furry thing that has not spoken. What what about the big guy? Who is he? That. They just scuffle in the darkness and hurry through the hole in the wall. I chase after him. Because why not? So yeah. that Jarzak just hopes after them and they rush in and they run into what looks to be like a circular little pod, like a little condominium complex of houses. And they go rushing behind one of the larger houses here in the circle as you approach the hole in the wall and see into there. And you guys see Norhill and Anton begin to walk towards that very same building uh, with Barai. Well, they beat us here. Uh, Norhill, Anton, we're here. We're doing a perception check. 
Yeah, we're just you in the darkness. Yeah, it's so dark. <laughs> They're going to ruin guys... everything. This is supposed to be a secret meeting. Now we look like friggin' liars. Well, Anton got a 14 on perception. No, they yelled. Don't worry. You didn't need to do that. Jarzak didn't need to do that either, but, but oh well. How... Anyway. Jarzak saw his friends. What if... I was going to say. So, uh, all right, hold on. Let's go back to the meta game. I knew that they were going to have a secret meeting. Let's. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> so, Jarzak and Klika come walking through. Jarzak still covered in rabbit blood and our peg legged. No, 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 no. For, for sure, Klika cleaned everybody up. Let's be real. You can see it in their eyes, though, that they <laughs> yeah, No, no. Blood. You can tell. She can't she can't mend that away. <laughs> There's a certain level of difference that comes over the desert walkers. But that, yeah, they come cracking through the wall here. And Barai looks to you guys and says, tell them to be quiet. This is a secret meeting. Jorzak, Klika, whatever that thing is, quiet yourselves. Do you want to wake the whole town? Oh, sorry. I was just excited we're alive. And so with that kick the click just kind of rubs mandibles on your head with the uh, little antenna there and just says, are we killing him too? No, he is part of the clan. Ah. We were separated from the clan doesn't mean they're not part of the clan anymore. He is short legs, big excitement. Yes, Fat, the fast one. Words are built for distance, not speed. <laughs> <laughs> and so with sustained that, marches. Okay. So that Barai says, "I'll just explain to them that you guys are with us." They it it. I okay. Well, and he wait, just hurries you guys back here to in the dark. We can fine. send them away if you wish. And he, with that, he says, "No." I think it's better if we tell them the truth and see who's going on this quest. I don't know exactly where Chazelle is or who knows. It's better that we all know so it doesn't seem like a double crossing. I'd rather be out in the open and honest about it. But please Very be well. quiet and respect that. Please proceed. And with that, Barai leads everybody to the workshop behind the house. And as you guys have the door open up, the room inside is pitch black but the light of the torches that open up uh, inside of here it seems to blind the dark vision of three of the uh, players here, <laughs> or four. And for a quick second, as your eyes readjust, standing before you among a cast of three adults of the Avian variety uh, is a very strange vision that none of you have ever seen before. It is, I guess what I would say, a mix between Sasquatch and a bat. And as he lifts little darkened goggles off of his face, he smiles a little bat tooth grin and says, Oy. and that is where we're going to end. Hey everyone, I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the podcast. It really means a lot to me to have everybody listening in. And if you have anything you'd like to say, any comments or anything like that, shoot me a tweet over at YGrognard on Twitter, or you can even send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. I look forward to everything you guys have to say, and it's always a pleasure to engage with anybody listening to the show. And as always, be sure to keep things... Dungeons. Dungeons.